Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 14. Please listen for the word of God. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Night came, and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat, fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was very far away from land. Very early in the morning, he came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. They were so frightened that they screamed. Just then Jesus spoke to them, Be encouraged. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, order me to come to you on the water. And then Jesus said, Come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water towards Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened. As he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, saying, You man of weak faith, why did you begin to doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind settled. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You must be the Son of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is probably the most famous miracle story apart from the resurrection in the whole Bible. So the first century audience that heard this, saw this miracle, that would have read about this miracle in this story, would have immediately understood what was happening. Because in the Old Testament story of Job, which is one of the oldest, word, oldest stories in the Bible, um, God is often quoted as walking on the water. In fact, the same verbs that are used here in Matthew's story are the exact same verbs that Job uses. And I have to read this because I can't remember. Job says that Jesus went, or God went upon the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep. And so in the Old Testament, God is walking on water constantly. It's like God's favorite thing to do. God is moving over the waters. And that's because in the Old Testament, water is always representing chaos. If you hear about waters in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, especially in Matthew's Gospel, it represents the times in your life where you are out of control, where life is out of control, where, where everything that's happening, the events of your life are beyond your ability to handle them, where you are the most vulnerable. Water is always a sign of God's power and control because God is the only one that can control the seas. God is the only one that can move water. God is constantly shaping the water. God is constantly doing things. The most famous miracle in the Old Testament is God parting the waters as the Egyptians or as the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, right? So God has command of the ocean, and yet that is the place where we feel the most vulnerable. Because the truth is, no matter how well you swim, if you're out on the ocean and the storm whips up and the boat starts rocking and the waves are coming up on the side of the boat, there's not a thing you can do about it. You have to make a decision at that point whether to stay in the boat or get out of the boat and leave the boat behind. Those are really your only choices when the boat is rocking and about to sink. Do we stay on the boat or do we get out into the even more dangerous water? 
Today's miracle comes just after the feeding of the 5,000. And so Jesus had been on the side of a mountain teaching, and the crowds had come, and they had fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. And there was so much food left over that they had extra baskets of food to send home with people, which all of us know what that feels like, because um, when you come to this church and have food, everybody's going home with something, right? It's like how you don't mind going to a place and ordering a really expensive meal as long as you get to take half of it home for another meal because you feel like you saved money then, right? So this is that kind of miracle. This is a miracle we can get behind. We know what's happening here. Jesus is providing for everyone. But Jesus is tired, and so he sends the disciples out into the boat alone. And I wonder if the disciples wondered how Jesus was going to get there. How's Jesus going to get to the other side of the sea? Are we supposed to come back for him? I don't know. But they went, and Jesus went alone to pray. And the wind started coming, and the boat started rocking, and the waves started whipping up, and they are not yet afraid. They are not afraid until they see something on the water that they don't recognize or understand. There's a ghost walking on the water. And they are more afraid of the ghost than they are of the water. Peter calls out to the ghost, who are you, ghost, right? And there have been times when I have run into Mr. Reverend Wilson here in the church, or I feel like I have, and I can tell you I did not call out to him. I was like, hello, Reverend Wilson. I was like, let me leave the church as quickly as possible, right? <laughs> but Peter uh, calls out to the, to the ghost and asks who the ghost is because there's a man walking in the middle of the water. The disciples are afraid. They are vulnerable. They are alone. And Peter, of all people, has the courage to call out. I don't know when Peter recognizes that it's Jesus, I don't know when Peter acknowledges that, that this person who is walking on the water is the Son of God, but I don't think it's until after he's already stepped out of the boat. See, I think Peter got so excited that he wasn't alone in the middle of the water, that he wasn't vulnerable in the midst of the storm. I think Peter got so excited that there was somebody else out there who recognized what was happening to them, that he leaped out of the boat in search of some help. And so when he leaped out of the boat in search of help, he did it with joy, with abandoned, with a sense of relief that there was somebody out there who saw what he was experiencing, that he was no longer alone in the darkness, in the midst of the wind and the waves, that he was courageous enough to reach out for help. And it's not until he recognizes that he is farther away from the boat than he thought It's not until he feels the wind's impact. It's not until he recognizes that he is more vulnerable out in the water than he was in the boat that he starts to be afraid. And he starts to doubt himself. He starts to doubt himself and his own ability, his own ability to be out in the water. He doesn't doubt Jesus. He doesn't doubt that Jesus is there walking on the water. He just thinks he's too far away from Jesus. 
He thinks that he is too far away from help, either kind, the disciples or God, that he is ultimately more alone and vulnerable in the midst of this storm than he ever was before, and that's when he begins to sink. That's when he begins to doubt. It's not that he doubts the safety of the boat, and it's not that he doubts that if he gets to Jesus, Jesus won't help him and reach him up. It's that he doubts that he's going to be able to make it that far, that he's going to be able to make it to Jesus, or that he's going to be able to make it back to the boat to safety. He is alone in the midst of the waters and the winds and the waves, and he starts to sink because he doubts himself. And so when Jesus reaches out and asks him why he doubts, why did you begin to doubt yourself? It's with sadness, with sorrow in his heart. It's not to admonish him or blame him or put him down or to say he did anything wrong except for to not trust that he had enough in himself to make it. And I think the moments in our lives where we are the most afraid, the moments in our lives where we feel the most vulnerable are the ones where we have to make a step out that takes us away farther into the storm. Jesus here tells Peter that he is courageous because, not because he stepped out of the boat, but that he is courageous because he was able in those moments to reach out for help. Peter is the most courageous person in the Bible. And I think we don't see that sometimes because we've gotten mixed up with the idea that courage has something to do with strength. That the more more strong you are, the bigger you are, the more powerful you are, the more courage you have. That courage is somehow a measure of your worth as a human being. That people who are courageous are the ones who tell everybody that they're courageous. And I think courageous Being courageous, having courage, is the opposite of that. It's a quiet thing. It's an internal thing. It is not courageous to start your phone and then jump off of a cliff so everybody can watch you. I don't know what that is. It's not courage. It's not courageous to stand up and tell everybody how awesome you are. It's not courageous to call attention to the fact that you are struggling against something in order to get people to admire you more. That's self-service. Courage is the ability to look within ourselves and to see within ourselves that we can make it through the storm. It's a quiet thing. It's an inside thing. It's the kind of thing that people don't notice. The people in my life who I have admired for their courage are the ones who have made choices that are difficult and challenging, but quiet. I think often of the folks who I know who have had terminal diagnosis, who have been told by doctors that they are, that there is no option for healing no long-term option for healing, and they have chosen to face that with courage and with dignity. 
I think stepping out into that water of uncertainty in those moments <clears throat> is the most courageous act that we can make. Because it requires from us an acknowledgement that we are vulnerable and that we're about to walk a path we've never experienced before. Peter had never walked on water before. And in those moments where we have to walk down a path that only we can walk down, that only we can choose to do, the times when we have made those courageous decisions to do that, they're quiet moments. They're dignified moments. And I think it takes more courage to take those steps than we often recognize. We are vulnerable people. We are often walking down paths that only we can walk down, that only we can experience. We have those moments at 3 a.m. where we have worries and doubts on our hearts and our minds. We have times where we experience winds and waves that are bigger than we can handle on our own. We have times where we are out of the boat, vulnerable, alone, facing things that we don't know how to handle. And those are the moments that require courage. Those are the moments that require us to acknowledge that we cannot make it through the night alone. And it's those moments where we have choices to make. We have choices to make whether we are going to retreat to the safety of the crowd and the boat, or we're going to take the step forward that we need to take towards God, that we're going to trust ourselves enough to say that we have the strength to make it one more step, one more day, one more moment to get closer. Being vulnerable enough to acknowledge that that's what we need. Being vulnerable enough, honest enough with ourselves to be courageous enough to ask for help. To be vulnerable enough and alone enough to acknowledge that we are alone in those moments is the greatest act of faith. Jesus never leaves us alone on the water, but stands there ready to walk with us through the storm, ready to walk beside us in the waves and to not leave us alone. And it takes faith to trust ourselves with God in those moments. So I invite you to be courageous like Peter and to be vulnerable enough to admit your weaknesses enough that you can trust yourself and trust God. That's the kind of courage I'd like to see. Amen.